Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. As always, we appreciate you listening to Bible Crossfire this time of the week. <clears throat> of course, our goal here is to teach what the Bible says and that only. Of course, everybody says that. <clears throat> but the difference is we're going to prove with book, chapter, and verse what we say. We're not going to believe something just because it's politically correct or just because the majority says that. I'm not going to shy away from teaching what the Bible says, even though the media or the world or even the majority of Christians may say that we're wrong. For example, the question I thought we'd talk about tonight while we're waiting on our first call is gay marriage. What does the Bible say about that? Before we look into that, let me read Matthew 15 verse 9 to show that it's important what we believe and teach. Jesus said there, but in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. So it does matter what we teach. If we teach the commandments of men as opposed to the commandments of God, our worship is in vain, useless or worthless. We certainly can't go to heaven that way. It's important that we teach the truth. God's word, two plus two cannot equal four and five at the same time. Jesus said, John eight thirty two, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. Talking about being made free from sin. Only the truth is going to make us free from sin. In Romans chapter 1, verse 24, and then verse 26 and 27, we read this. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Now, at this point, we don't know exactly what Paul is saying here. He just calls it uncleanness, dishonoring their bodies. But then as we read into 26 and 27, we see exactly how they were dishonoring their bodies. It says, for this cause, God gave them up into vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. Clearly, homosexuality is condemned here. 26, we're condemning lesbianism, what we call lesbianism, the women changing the natural use into that which is against nature. 27 is condemning what we call gay men, the men leaving the natural use of the woman, burning in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly. The Old Testament and the New Testament, six or eight passages in, in each testament clearly show that homosexuality is a sin, which means... That if you're a homosexual, love you, you're going to have to repent of that to be saved. That means you're going to have to quit that practice in order to be forgiven of your sins. Now, one question that comes up a lot that this passage also deals with is, are homosexuals born that way? And the, the argument is made if they're born that way, then they can't help it. And it can't be a sin if they're born that way. Well, this passage shows that they're not born that way. Besides teaching that it's a sin, three times it calls it unnatural. Well, I guess I'm getting kind of blunt here, but I believe we could tell that homosexuality is not what the Creator intended. Even if we didn't have the Bible, we could just look at the body parts, the human anatomy of the male and female. I mean, when we do plumbing under our house or in our house, we understand you have to fit the male and the female together or it won't work. The body parts, the human anatomy tells us this, what is intended in the sexual relationship, man with woman, not man with man, not woman with woman. This is unnatural. 
The Bible teaches then that they're not born this way, that if everything goes according to normal, nobody's abused, they have a normal childhood rearing, then when they get to puberty, they're going to have a natural attraction to the opposite sex. That's natural. If you're attracted to the same sex, that's unnatural, perverted. Now, do some people actually have that attraction? Yes, because maybe they've been abused. We know that homosexuals, a large percentage of the time, or have been abused, uh, gay abuse when they were children, because of abuse or just wild imagination. Sometimes people do attra- uh, develop an attraction for the same sex, but it's not natural. It's perverted. Romans 1, 26 and 27, besides telling us that this practice is a sin, it also tells us three times it's unnatural. They're not born that way. If they have this attraction, it's perverted. They need to repent, and they can change. We'll talk about that more in a minute. You know, uh, this is from outside the Bible, but a Yale and Columbia University study found homosexuality common to only 6.7% of male identical twins and 5.3% of female identical twins. If then homosexuality was genetic, it should have been 100%, right? I mean, they're two identical twins. They're the same. They they got the same exact genes. They're the same genetically. They're identical twins. So if one's gay, the other would have to be gay 100% of the time. But they did the study, and only 6.7% of male identical twins, 5.3% of female identical twins are common as far as this being both homosexual. Uh, This is uh, obviously then something that's due to the environment. People choose to commit this sin. Obviously, if two guys, young boys, grow up in the same environment, that may be more if one is being influenced to be homosexual by maybe a gay uncle or something like that, uh, then the other would be too. But it's environment. If it was genetic, then 100% of identical twins, if one is gay, the other would be gay. You see what I mean? So not only does the Bible teach that homosexuality is not genetic, scientific research shows the same thing. They've been looking for a gene, a gay gene all these years, never have found one, and never have found one. If you have a Bible question or comment on this or any other Bible topic, give us a call at 877-655-6755. The number to call if you want to get on the air with your Bible question or comment, 877-655-6755. I said we would talk about gay marriage. Let's talk about that. So far, we've only talked about homosexuality in general. Well, let's read what Jesus said in Matthew 19, 4 through 5. Some people say, well, Jesus never said anything against homosexuality. Well, didn't he? How about this verse? Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, for this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and they twain shall be one flesh. Jesus is teaching here in Matthew 4, 19, 4 and 5. He's going back to the original marriage with Adam and Eve to make his point. He says, God made a male and female. A man should leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. I like the cutesy saying that sums this passage up very quickly. God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. So in effect, Jesus did condemn homosexuality when he defined marriage, I should say scriptural marriage, because we have all kinds of unscriptural marriages in the United States and elsewhere. 
uh, where a man marries a man or a woman marries a woman. But scriptural marriage is defined by Jesus as a male and a female, a commitment between a male and a female to live together the rest of their life is what it is. Now, let's compare this to a quote from the Presbyterian Church. Time magazine, March 18th, 2015, said this. The Presbyterian Church voted to redefine the church constitutional marriage to include a commitment between two people. You see how they've changed the definition of marriage from what God said? God said marriage is male and female, commitment between male and female. And that's the way all churches used to define it, the way God does in the Bible. But a lot of churches, including this one, and we have a quote from Time Magazine, have changed it to a commitment between two people so that a woman can marry a woman or a man can marry a man. I guess eventually they'll have it to where a man can marry an animal. They'll Churches eventually will make it lawful, I guess, to be committing the sin of bestiality, have sex with an animal, a beast. <laughs> it's purely ridiculous for any church to think that they can change the Bible definition of marriage from a commitment between a man and a woman to a commitment between two people so that they can have a man marry a man and a woman marry a woman. God said in the beginning, Jesus said in the beginning, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, cleave to his wife. As I said, God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Here's another verse. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 2. Paul said, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and every woman have her own husband. You see how the Bible is saying that marriage is intended to help people avoid fornication? We're, we're tempted to commit fornication if we're not married because we have a sexual desire. Well, what's, the, what's one of the ways you can solve the problem? Get married, and then you're allowed to have relations with your wife. Well, how do you do that? A man should have his own wife, and a woman should have her own husband. Not a man should have a husband, or a woman should have a wife. That's pretty simple, plain and clear. Yet, I suspect if you take all the different kinds of congregations across the United States and Canada, probably about half of them would allow gay marriage because you have huge denominations like the Presbyterian Church or the Methodist Church, the Episcopal Church, the Lutheran Church. And for the most part, they're allowing gay marriages and they make up most of the congregations, most of the people. Now, the more conservative congregations that don't allow gay marriage, they're probably fewer in number. So you're probably talking about across America and in Canada where this radio program goes across, you're probably talking about maybe 50% of the churches that call themselves Christian churches or 50% of the people who call themselves Christians would approve of gay marriage and homosexuality. The Bible shows it's clearly wrong. What does that say? That says that most of the people, or at least 50% of the people who claim to be Christian, which most to mean follower of Christ, aren't following Christ. It's just Christian in name only. They're not trying to follow Christ in his teaching. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. Sorry about my voice tonight. I've been struggling with the cold for the last week or so. 877-655-6755 if you have a Bible question or comment. Now, suppose we have a, a two gay men or two lesbians that are married. They're in a gay marriage. What would they have to do to repent? 
you know, the Bible teaches you have to repent to be saved. Jesus said in Luke 13, 3, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. So what would a homosexual couple, married couple do if they wanted to repent and be forgiven? Could they just say, I'm sorry for this relationship. I'm sorry for this homosexual sex, but God forgive us, but we're not planning on getting out of it. We're going to stay in it. I think everybody can see that repentance would demand that they terminate the relationship, wouldn't it? Well, getting off on a tangent here, wouldn't the same thing be true about an adulterous marriage? In Matthew 19, 9, Jesus said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. So, and I've been married to Carol for about 33 years. If I divorce Carol because she cheats on me sexually, God's is showing here that I have the right to divorce her if she cheats on me and marry another. But if I cannot divorce her for any other reason, is what they're saying. If I divorce her for saying compatibility or any reason other than her cheating on me sexually, then God does not approve of that. And if I remarry, then it's adultery. Say I remarry Betty, it's adultery. Well, what would a person have to do, like me, if I divorce Carol for incompatibility? And Mary Betty, Jesus calls that marriage adultery. Could I just say I'm sorry and stay in the marriage? <laughs> Not any more than the two gay men can say they're sorry and stay in the marriage. Adulterous marriages are just as wrong as gay marriages. And I say that because of this. I said about 50% of the congregations across the United States and Canada would allow uh, gay marriages now. <clears throat> but I'm thinking about 75 or 80% of congregations across the United States or Canada, actually more like 90% would allow adulterous marriages. Almost all churches in in this part of the world would say, well, oh, if you've divorced and remarried, that's regrettable, but you shouldn't, you should stay in the marriage that you're in. It could be the third, fourth, fifth marriage. Jesus could term it and say that it's an adulterous marriage, but these churches, as I said, it's at least 90%. These churches will say, just stay in it. They'll say, just stay in adultery. And I'm pretty sure that this acceptance of adulterous marriages through the decades, the last several decades, I mean, a hundred years ago, no churches would have accepted these second or third marriages, adulterous marriages. But now over 90% of them do. And this acceptance of adulterous marriages in the last 50, 60 or 70 years, I believe has led to the acceptance of gay marriages on the part of most of those churches or a lot of those churches. I don't know if it's most. After all, if you can accept an adulterous marriage and say, that's okay, why can't you accept a gay marriage? I mean, <laughs> two wrongs make a right, right? The truth is Jesus condemned these adulterous marriages in Matthew 19, 9. And repentance means if you want to repent, you got to be forgiven. Remember that? Acts 2, 38, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. You got to repent, receive the remission of sins. Repentance would demand they get out of these adulterous marriages just as much as repentance would demand that two men get out of a gay marriage or two lesbians get out of a gay marriage. I mean, it's only logical, isn't it? Isn't it a matter of just accepting what Jesus plainly says instead of trying to get around it? I mean, a lot of churches would uh, try to get around that because they might lose a lot of membership if they say you have to get out of adulterous marriage. But uh, John the Baptist was willing to preach on the truth on divorce and remarriage, even though it cost him his head. Mark 6, 17 and 18 for Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. For John had said unto Herod, it is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. So Herod and Herodias are in an unscriptural marriage. 
according to the law of their day, I assume it's Old Testament law, John the Baptist said to Herod, it's not lawful for you to have her. He didn't just say it's not lawful for you to marry her, but it's okay to stay in it. He said it's not lawful for you to have her, meaning if you want to repent and be forgiven, you have to get out of this. Well, what happened to John? He was put in prison and eventually lost his head. They beheaded him because he preached the truth and demanded that these people in unscriptural marriage terminate the marriage. But preachers today will say, just stay in the marriage. Why? Because they don't want to lose. I mean, 20% of the membership of most churches in the United States is in a second or third marriage that violates Matthew 19, 9, that Jesus calls adulterous. And the preachers are going to say, stay in it. Why? Because they preach the truth. What Matthew 19, 9 says they might lose 20% of their membership and a, a lot of the contribution. It's a good likelihood that the church you're a member of accepts these adulterous marriages. Now, if you can see why it's wrong to accept a gay marriage in the church and deem these people uh, faithful members, why can't you see it's wrong to accept an adulterous marriage, meaning into the church and consider them faithful members? I mean, it's the same principle. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877 877- 655-6755. The number to call if you have a Bible question or comment, 877-655-6755. We've looked at a couple of passages in the New Testament, I think three, that show that homosexuality and gay marriage is wrong. I mentioned that there's some passages in the Old. Let's look at that. How about Leviticus 20, verse 13? Now, we're not under the Old Testament law anymore, but I still think it's important for us to show that this was a sin in the Old Testament. We'll, and I'll tell you why in just a minute. Here's the verse, Leviticus 20, verse 13. If a man also lie with mankind, as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination, they shall surely be put to death. Now, this is not talking about two young brothers when they're growing up, sleeping in the same bed, just sleeping, just simply because they don't have enough beds for each person to have a bed. This is talking about a man lying with another man as he would with a woman meaning sexually. It says both of them have committed an abomination. Well, usually that word is reserved for the worst kind of sin. And, and as a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, it says they shall surely put, be put to death. The, the, the penalty for this sin of homosexuality was the death penalty. I mean, have you ever got pulled over for a speeding ticket? They, they didn't try to put you, get, put you in the electric chair, did they? No, that's a minor offense. They, don't, they save execution for major offenses like murder. Multiple murders. <laughs> so this is obviously considered in the Old Testament to be a major offense, a very serious crime or sin because they put him to death. It's called an abomination. So it was clearly a sin. There's no way you can get around it. If a man lies with a man as he does with a woman, it's an abomination. It's a sin. No way you can get around it. Well, Pat, you say, why are you bringing this up if it was under the Old Testament? Because people will say, hey, we're born this way. Therefore, we can't help it. Therefore, it's not a sin. Well, if that's true, what in people, if people are born that way, I think we've already refuted that from Romans 1, but if people are born that way, wouldn't they have been born that way in Israel back centuries ago when the Old Testament law was still in effect? Well, sure, they would have been born that way. If they're born that way today, they would have been born that way back then. Then why would the Bible have made it so clear that it was a sin? If you're born that way, you can't help it. It couldn't be a sin. God's not going to make something a sin if you're born that way and can't help it. Well, doesn't the fact that he makes it a sin Clearly, in this passage in Leviticus 20, no way around it. Show, if you take that the reverse of that, since God said it clearly is a sin, that means you must can help it and that you must not be born that way. 
Yeah. Do you see why it's valuable to look at what the Old Testament has to say on this? I think so. Let's also look at Leviticus 18, 22 and 23. It says, thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. Neither shalt thou lie with any beast to defile thyself therewith. Neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down there to it as confusion. I mentioned a while ago about bestiality, having sex with an animal. Uh, here, basically, having sex with an animal is condemned in the same breath, in the same sentence almost, with homosexuality. If a man lies with a man as he would with a woman, it's abomination. Neither shall he lie down with a beast, an animal. They're, they're both condemned on an equal basis. Now, I've had a few public debates on homosexuality where I'm debating this subject in front of an audience full of homosexuals. And this is probably about the most difficult thing I've ever had to do. When you're in a debate, anytime you're talking about with somebody about the Bible, you need to be gentle and kind. And I try to be very gentle and kind in these debates, but it's kind of hard when you have to tell them to their face that this sin you're committing, man with man or woman with woman, in the Bible is considered on par with having sex with an animal. Can you imagine having to tell that to somebody? But that's the truth of the matter. If you're listening today and you're a homosexual, when you have sex, same sex, the Bible in the Old Testament, Leviticus 18, put that on par with having sex with an animal. They're both wrong on the same basis. It's supposed to be man with woman, as Jesus said. A male, and God made them male and female in the beginning. Said, a man shall leave father and mother, cleave to his wife. Male and female. Not man with man, not woman with woman, not man with animal, not woman with animal. All of those are condemned in exactly the same way in Leviticus 18, verse 22 and 23. It's just as wrong for a man to have sex with a man as it is for a man to have sex with an animal. It's just as wrong for a woman to have sex with a woman as it is for a woman to have sex with a beast. That's what that's saying. We can learn a lot from the Old Testament, even though it's not our law for today. Well, back to the New Testament. By the way, if you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. Jude verse 7 says, even as Sodom and Gomorrah, and this story of Sodom and Gomorrah is well known, Genesis 19, 1 through 24. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah wasn't just lack of hospitality. It was fornication. And not only that, it's specifically going after strange flesh. Man going after man. That's going after strange flesh. The sin of homosexuality we see is brought out from Jude verse 7. How about 1 Timothy 1 verses 9 and 10? Here I'm reading from the simple English New Testament. We also know this, the law was not made for a good man, but for people who are lawless, rebels, ungodly, sinners, unholy, not religious, father killers, mother killers, murderers, sexual sinners, homosexuals, slave traders, liars, and those who break promises. These and other things are against the healthy teaching as found in the glorious gospel of the blessed God which you trusted in me. Here's a list of sins. These people are going against the blessed gospel. Homosexuals is one up is in here. The New American Standard Bible says homosexuals. The New King James Version says sodomites here. 
clearly condemning homosexuals. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. So both male and female role, gay men are condemned here, homosexuals and sodomites. A list of sins, you'll not inherit the kingdom of God. Homosexuals and sodomites are on the list. So you can't be saved unless you repent of this sins. And verse 11 says, begins by saying, and such were, past tense, some of you, which means some of these homosexuals had repented and become Christians. Changed, they become Christians and they and they were forgiven of their sins, but they had to quit. Such were some of you, past tense. If you would like to have a free one-hour phone Bible study with me, sometime at your convenience, call or text me at 256-682-9753. Appreciate you listening this morning. We showed the Bible clearly condemns homosexuality and gay marriage.